Previously on Robin, everyone loves the Drake. One other thing I liked, one last thing I liked in Robin number eight was how they wrap up the Mask of Tengu stuff with Shiva. She like puts the mask on as she leaves after she thinks that Bruce has killed somebody. And then she goes back to all the people that she sent to kill uh, the person wearing the mask and she just kills everybody. I thought that that was a kind of an interesting capper to it. You know, I think she was trying to close the loop on all the stuff she had set up. Which also makes you wonder if she knew at some point, like, he probably didn't actually kill that yeah, guy. Yeah, maybe. She was, you know, like you said, she was closing the loop on everything, so nothing is going to get out that this Tangu killed anybody because she's just killed yeah. anybody that yeah. has already previously known about it. Yeah, and, and although she's d- did or does relish in the fact that she thinks that she had Bruce Wayne kill somebody, I think even if she finds out that, well, I don't know that if she shows up in the comics after this, uh, mentions this, but I bet she would be just as happy knowing that she put him through through some hell, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Any other final thoughts on uh, on Robin 8? Terrence? The, the seed that Ryan mentioned, the artwork on that is really fantastic. It's in a cool location, this like closed down like theater and just the the scene with Lady Shiva, the panel with her jumping with the mask and the, all these blades in the foreground, and then the the fighting, the killing is all done in like just black outline or black shadow uh, with a red background, and then it comes back to full color, and they're all pretty much dead except for one poor sucker who is going to have to spread the message. That that is a really well done scene. I, I like that a lot too. Yeah, very cool, uh, Tim. Yeah, just like I said before, just so cool to end the issue with Batman coming back, and even the little monologue that goes on there. How was saying it's been too long, like way long, like all the bad moments that he's experienced since Brain broke his back are just like bad dreams now. He's back as Batman, and so by reading that for the first time, like okay, let's, I just can't wait to turn the next page and the next issue to see, you know, Bat- Bruce Wayne finally back as Batman. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and this is episode 56. This is brought to you by the Batman Universe.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. 
We are also now a proud member of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. Also, we are partnered with Batman on Film and their podcast network called BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So hopefully you don't get too lost trying to go to two different networks, but great podcasts on both. You can get a hold of us through all of the normal uh, social media through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, email. You can email us at el, RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Uh, Terrence is working on the uh, YouTube side of things, and if we can get up to 100 likes on the YouTube channel, we can have a proper uh, URL for the uh, YouTube channel. And speaking of Terrence, uh, Terrence is here uh, with me, and I wanted to do a quick little intro to the show. Uh, the podcast that you're hearing was actually recorded in one long session. I thought once I started putting it together, it was going to be uh, – pretty long with some of the audio drama, so I haven't got everything finished, but I thought, you know what, let's just do a quick intro. So um, how are you doing since we've already talked about five hours earlier and you actually had said, hey, I had an idea uh, about Adam West. So uh, how was your Red Robin experience? Oh, Werewolves of Gotham. That'll be my new intro now. And since, <laughs> since I've stopped kicking you off the podcast, I felt too, too guilty about that because you've just been far too nice. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Red Robin was quite delicious. Uh, the restaurant, not Tim Drake in wherever right. prison he is in Ozzy, whatever that guy is. Mr. Oz, uh, I had contacted you to add a little more to the Adam West, and they said, let's let's record this intro. So Ryan and Tim are not here, but they are part of the podcast. And once again, you know, Ryan is always a great contributor and third member of our podcast, and it's always awesome to ha- have Tim and and have Tim on here. And I, I keep meaning to tell Tim this, so I guess he's just going to have to listen to this. Uh, when we were on the Bat Fans podcast, um, my brother would always listen to it, but Tim's voice is so deep that it would blow out the speakers in my brother's <laughs> car, <laughs> and he would have to like go in and change the treble and bass settings before he could listen to the podcast in order to accommodate Tim's deep voice. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Tim could definitely uh, uh, hit the uh, bass notes. I remember... Probably one of the first times I was like listening when I was kind of just new to like listening to podcasts. I was going through and listening. I was like, "Whoa, that guy's got some bass in his voice." And I don't know if I adjusted mine, but I remember when he was talking in my old my older car. It kind of shook the speakers a little bit. I'm like, "Man, this guy could read a dictionary and make it uh, have some vibrato." Yeah. Um, one last thing, just make this little intro uh, worthwhile. Um, how often, since we're getting into the back half of uh, Nightfall, that uh, you're getting ready to listen to the radio? drama is going to appear right after we're done talking but um how often do you go through uh nightfall and just kind of get up i know i say you know every now and then like once a year maybe i was kind of read sections of it do you read nightfall very often or is there, are you more kind of sporadic in your well, reading i actually that's a great question because i actually don't own any of nightfall in any kind of trade paperback or collection or omnibus like you and Ryan, which I'm very jealous of. Uh, <laughs> I only have it in the floppies from when I when it came out and when I went to the comic book store and got it. Um, so actually, I had not read Nightfall pretty much since it came out. You know, I probably back in the the late '80s, early '90s when I was getting the books and had a lot more time on my hands. I would read each issue several times before putting it in the long box and then yeah. you know pull it out a couple times a year or so but since since the 90s um 95 is is when like life kind of got crazy with me and starting in jobs and stuff like that that I didn't have yeah. as much free time so uh but so I would say I, I really have not read it 
since it originally came out. So it's been a lot of fun rereading it with you and Ryan and our guests and uh, going through it again and looking at it with new eyes and seeing what I, I remembered from it and what I completely forgot. And um, I can tell you the a lot of the two issues we'll talk about that was mostly a fight, which is the detective issue. I think the Robin issue, I kind of yeah. forgot a, a lot of that. I, a lot of that I forgot about. The Legends of the Dark Knight issue that we'll talk about, I remember that really clearly. Like I, I remember reading it and remember the ending. And, and it amazes me how much of this – and you asked this question at the end of the podcast. But it, rem- it re- amazes me how much of it still holds up and is a great read today, even you know, going 25 years in between right. reads. Yeah. With my trades, I'm like I'm real selective on what I buy trades for. For me, like I have a hard time if I have the floppies and I've got them all in a nice file cabinet now, and I'll pull them out sporadically. I have a hard time going. I, I don't double dip into something I already have. Like if I have a single issue of it and I want to read it, I'll pull it out and I'll go through. I wouldn't call it the hassle. I'll, I'll unbag it, I'll unboard it, and I'll read it, and I'll put it back in. But if it's something I'm going to go, I'm going to want to read this multiple times, and because I don't want to get boxes out like once a year whatever, if the story is really, really good, then I'll track it down in a trade. I think I said in the show that um, I had recently bought the uh, Asriel, the Asbat section of the trade because I didn't get by those singly because I was one of those that rage quit uh, when <laughs> Batman changed, and I was like, oh, that – turned out to be pretty good so i bought that as the trade i thought well i've got the books before and the books after and i won't need it then when this omnibus came out now i'm actually technically going to double dip because i'm going to rebuy the asriel um section again just to have it so um i do have quite a few trades but the trades that i have are like these are books i really want to read so i don't have to worry about so much of like taking care of them not that i beat them around but you know what i mean yeah, sit there with the bag and board. I can sit there and kind of fold the fold the spine of the book back and and really sit back and enjoy it. So I I read Nightfall. I wouldn't say like every year, but I'm good for every other year. Or so just sitting down and and reading it straight through. So, but that's the uh, little intro to the show. So now that we're done rambling here, you can hear Terrence, Ryan, and Tim and I about five hours earlier <laughs> talking yeah. about uh, these issues. So it was really cool to be able to do this intro. So I'm not punching in. So now Terrence is actually guilty of recording an intro that didn't actually exist with me. So I gotcha. <laughs> yes. The evidence is uh, recorded. Yeah. Right. The timestamp so, is on the recording here. Uh Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. So without further ado, uh, we're going to kick it over to the BBC radio drama to pick up the final half of uh, Batman nightfall. So I was saying that uh, Batman, uh, or excuse me, I always say this wrong, like Terrence had pointed out, they always put the Batman logo so much bigger to make you forget that it's Detective Comics. And like Denny, or Denny, excuse me, uh, Chuck said he felt the prestige book was in Detective Comics. So Detective Comics 677. All right, like I forgot to do for these, I forgot to give you the information uh, of these comics, so I'm going to splice them in here. Uh, So, like I said, Detective Comics 677 has a cover date of August 1994, with an on-sale date of June 28, 1994. Cover price was $1.50. The editor is Scott Preston. The title is Flesh in Steel. Uh, writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Graham Nolan, the inker is Scott Hanna, 
letter is John Costanza, and the colorist, as always, is the beautiful, lovely Adrian Roy. Uh, this has been reprinted a few times in Batman uh, Night's End trade paperback that came out in 1995. Uh, Batman Nightfall uh, Part 3, uh, Night's End trade paperback in 2000. Batman Nightfall Volume 3, uh, trade paperback, uh, 2012, and then coming out this year is going to be in the, um, actually may not be this year, there's going to be a third volume for the Omnibus, I don't think the Night's End has been solicited yet, so that may actually be a 2018 Omnibus that's going to be coming out for Night's End, I know uh, Night's Quest will be coming out this year. So, neither here nor there, let's kick it over to the BBC Radio Drama and pick up with this part of Detective Comics 677. I don't understand it, Mr. Lee. that Chuff is not responding to the control. Everything set up for the biggest arms steam of the century and two Batman appear. Wait a minute. I know what it is. Something's caught the tail rotor. What? Wait, I look... By the demon lobbyists, the two Batman being reeled in by the tail unit. In that case, we might be okay. Once it slices them up. I can't free myself from the barbs on your armored suit, Jean-Paul. Let go of the line before we're killed. No, they have us not escaped. He murdered my father. Isn't Batman just leave Paul to it and drop in the river run? Something's wrong, Nightwing. And they're running out of slack on that line. Wait a minute. That's not their only problem. Unless Lee Ha's pilot gets maneuverability, that chopper's gonna hit the bridge pilot. Oh my god! Too late! Too late for Lee Ha, maybe. But look! Two figures falling into the river. Come on, kid! Batman? Is it really you this time? <laughs> it's me, Commissioner. Where's my stand-in? There he is, climbing out of the highway on the other side. You've got to stop him. He's out of control. And that's an understatement. But wait a minute. Who's the guy in the blue and gold chasing him? An ally of yours, I hope. A very old friend to us both, Commissioner. And I hope he's got more sense than to, than to try and take that, that other guy down. Nightwing! No! Israel, or whatever you call yourself. Nightwing, get back. I am the Batman. Not a Batman I'd ever have wanted to be robbing with. Ugh, fool, my father's killer barks in hell. You meddle in a sacred crusade. Not. I'm just looking at a pile of gizmos with an attitude problem. As you wish. Now leave me alone. Nightwing, you okay? Caught me off guard. Slice me up good with those shurikens of his. Yes, Robin. Nightwing's a little cut up, but okay, Batman. All right. Look after him. Our friend left the Batmobile behind. I may be able to get to the cave before him. Okay. Door open. Nightwing, why would Paul leave the Batmobile here if he needs it to... Booby trap! Uh, part nine of Nights and we finally get uh, a more a Nightwing centered book since Nightwing had been missing through almost the entire uh, run of Nightfall. I think once they got a chance to use them, they really tried to squeeze in as much uh, Nightwing action as we possibly could that would eventually you know come down the line uh, in Prodigal here. So we got a really cool cover, uh, one of the last by uh, Kelly Jones uh, for the. Uh, Nights uh, and a Nightfall uh, series with uh, Asbats in his uh, blue costume, which won't be blue for much longer. And uh, Nightwing, uh, it's really cool to see him draw uh, Nightwing in here and then uh, Batman down on the ground. So what do you guys think of this uh, 
cover for a detective at 677 Ryan. It's just another solid Kelly Jones cover. You know, I, one thing that we mentioned, I mentioned a lot is just how much of a fan I am of the Knights, uh, Nightfall, Knights Quest, Knights End branding. And this is just part of the same thing. Having that consistency with Kelly Jones on the covers was one of the absolute highlights of, of the whole the crossover. Terrence. Once again, there's far too many ab muscles, but somehow he, he makes <laughs> it work. It looks mm-hmm. awesome. It looks cool. So, yeah, it was great that he was able to do covers for Night's Fall, Night's Quest, Night's End. And then eventually he goes into the interior and starts doing issues, which which was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tim. I always thought uh, Asbats just looked a little too bulky on this cover, <laughs> but I loved it. Even though he's kind of kneeling down, beaten up, I just love how Batman is drawn on that cover. He's just all in the shadows. You see some blood dripping down, but the way the cow was drawn, I think it was really cool. Where you don't, you don't even see, you know, the the part of his uh, face that's not covered by the mask. It's just all dark. And I think this Batman looks really cool when it's drawn like that. So since we uh, skipped here. Uh Everybody has been tracking down Azrael. They see where the Azbats is going after Leha. Leha ends up dying in the uh, helicopter crash. Uh, but Azrael's suit starts taking a little bit of damage, and the damage that's happening to it, the blue is coming off of the suit, revealing underneath the blue, it's the red. So Azrael now looks more like he did in the beginning with the uh, red, yellow, and black, but now it's in the armored Batman. So I thought that was a nice... A touch that is kind of showing that Azrael is kind of back where he's reverting struck. to Azrael. Yeah, reverting, that's an interesting point. Reverting more to Azrael than he is to Batman, although he is hell bent on saying he is the one true Batman. But outwardly, he is now showing all signs of being nothing like uh, Batman. So, did you guys pick that up at all that the the blue was washing off, signifying Azrael coming back? Or did you just think that was a giant coloring mistake throughout the uh, issue, uh, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of been there. It's 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 one of those interesting things where you can kind of – they explore the characters like psychosis through his costume. You know, it, it, he starts out in Nightfall being more like Batman, and the more and more ingrained in the system he gets, the more – he makes his costume crazier and crazier, more more like Azrael. So yeah, this is totally a, a great point where he's become the, becoming very unhinged um, and very protective and you know uh, violent. It's that it makes total sense for him to kind of start reverting even more, both you know his, his mannerisms, but also you know externally on his outfit to kind of match Azrael again. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, I did not pick up on the color going back to Azrael. I just thought it was another change, possibly to sell more action figures or so. <laughs> um, but I did notice the characterization because I was I was um, recording some videos for the YouTube channel, and I got to get back into that. I've t- kind of taken a break, but doing all the the Knights Quest issues, kind of doing like a little recap of each one, and I noticed that John Paul Valley in all the books, each writer were writing him very different. He was all over the place between being very sympathetic to being confused to being the avenging angel to being a psychopath to to he's just all over the place. And in here, though, it seems that they've really stripped his humanity and he is just a crazy avenging angel psychopath. Uh, so the costume does kind of fit that. 
I guess, um, for what goes for the story until the ending, which I know we'll get to that. But I, I liked how they did the ending with him and brought back some of his humanity. I, I wonder at what point they realized they were going to do an Asriel series with him. Uh, but but I also as I was reading these in real time back in what are 94, you knew zero hour was coming and zero hour was going to be. I don't know if they used the term reboot at the time, but it, it, you knew it was going to be a reboot. You knew things were going to change. So there was reading this to kind of the possibility of like anything could happen because they're going to reboot the universe in a couple of months. So it did ha- it did add to some of the excitement of it. Yeah. Um, I have a question for Ryan. We'll uh, piggyback with uh, Tim. Any uh, thoughts about just Azrael, Asbats being more like Azrael? Um, yeah, as far as the suit goes, I never actually – put two two together about that as far as you know it being red now him embracing more of the Azrael aspect but i think that is a pretty cool way to look at it because it does make perfect sense you know because he is you know going more down that path and embracing the system and just becoming that way so it would make sense for his color to reflect that too but at first i just think visually it looked really cool the red and the gold on the bat suit i just kind of remember reading that for the first time, you know, signifying that, okay, this is it. We're getting real close to the end and the final confrontation between Bruce's Batman and Jean-Paul Valley's Batman. And even since he's now embracing the red and Bruce's back with the classic blue, I think that could have been another reason why they did it instead of having, you know, two uh, Batman costumes with blue that have the evil one be in red and then with Bruce coming back, the good one in the classic blue. So I think that's how I looked at it at first, but now hearing how it probably is, a way to have him embracing more of the Azrael side of things is a way that it could go go about it too. So I think that was a good way to look at it as well. I wanted to piggyback what you uh, were hopefully going to say uh, to Ryan. The, the three of us were, have been talking about um, what did you think, since Ryan, you had said that uh, Jean-Paul was the first Batman that you read in comics. So mm. seeing your Batman now do a complete 180, even though you knew he was a little different, that uh, Terrence had said he's was kind of written all over the place uh, through the Quest series. Now seeing mm-hmm. him at this end, uh, knowing that his time as Batman is ticking, were were you okay with the way that your Batman ended up uh, finishing, or like how? What, what were your thoughts on that? Luckily, you know, like I said, I was I was lightly exposed to it as a kid when the issues first came out, but then. But then I knew even then that it was a temporary thing. But then when I finally was able to get the uh, trades and read through the whole thing, it I always was okay with it because I identified it as this is a complete arc for a character. And this is kind of his story. And he's always was to me was meant to be like this part of this story and part of this, um, you know, saga and wasn't really always meant to replace bat you know bruce wayne batman so to me it was just kind of like this is the ongoing you know arc and story of of this particular character so yeah to me it wasn't like oh no you know it was more like a this is something good it's it's a it's a great story to be able to make all the characters you know go through this and that's something that even um chuck dixon talked about when we interviewed him about how everybody after this is like completely changed so we picked up from uh the last uh, where the audio drama we just left off with the Batmobile blowing up. So if it was one thing to see 
uh, Bruce Wayne possibly kill somebody, and the last issue, Batman getting into the Batmobile, and Nightwing and Robin showing up on the scene, and just seeing the Batmobile blow up, and then the fight ensues, and then Tim has to almost relive losing Batman probably all over again, uh, but Tim's got to quickly pull everything together and uh, save a baby from uh, a burning car while uh, Nightwing is just going uh, fully ballistic on uh, Asbats. They're fighting over bridge, getting knocking each other into pylons, and then Azrael cutting the rope. Uh, after Nightwing is saying, "You know, I don't think you can take too many more many more moves like this," and getting knocked into a bridge, and then, like I said, uh, Azrael cutting the rope and. Uh, preparing to drown both of them and Batman showing back up. And we have the first image on page eight of Batman and Robin running together side by side and Batman saying that he knows the car was, uh, would have probably been rigged to blow because he would have done the same thing. So through the whole sequence up to page eight, would you guys think of how uh, the story moved and progressed and just kind of uh, some thoughts on the action? Let's start with Tim. Yeah. Well, this is, as I said before, uh, with Robin number eight, how it had me for a little bit thinking that Bruce actually did, kill someone i didn't buy into this part thinking that bruce was actually dead so i knew he was going to come back at some point um i just found uh tim's dialogue to be uh a little weird at when he i know he's kind of in shock but him asking himself like uh john paul will really be batman now like does it matter and could he be actually be the guardian gotham deserves then he quickly says no way but i still thought at first it was a little strange to hear him <laughs> yeah. actually consider that so that was a little weird but i loved the fight sequence between nightwing and asbats here like their dialogue was really good especially dick just you know trying to you know really tell asbats like you're nothing like that and you'll never beat batman and holding his own against them pretty well he got some <laughs> good punches and kicks in there the and when they make it into that uh casino area i thought was a really fun sequence as well this is using the different uh, like uh, t- tables and like slot machines as <laughs> like that they're plowing into each other was really was really neat and then and a band and a banjo and a banjo that's right <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that funny moment too where there's that lady dixie's like just get out of here and she's just hugging the slot machine is like no i've been playing all night <laughs> like it's gonna pay off really big <laughs> So just a, a fun overall fight sequence between Nightwing and Asbats, but at the same time, too, uh, full of emotion, too, is Dick, you know, thinking that, you know, his father figure has died and killed by an imposter Batman at that. So you could definitely buy into why Dick was so upset and just really wanted to defeat Azrael here. So, yeah, it was a really uh, cool fight sequence, I thought. Terrence. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great stuff in this. Um, I love... Uh, Tim Drake, how he is very heroic rescuing the baby. We, I remember we talked about that R symbol, whether it was like something he could take off and throw or use as a star. Um, I love how Batman has such confidence in Nightwing, where he's like, Nightwing can hold his own. You know, I, yeah. I, Tim mentioned that. Like, that's just so great. Like, yeah, don't worry about him. He, he can do it. And you can really feel Nightwing's anger because one of the things I love about the mm-hmm. Nightwing or the Dick-Tim uh, relationship is there's, there was a Jason – was already between them. So there's none of this like, oh, I was a better Robin than you or, oh, you're taking my place. or Like that all happened with Jason. Now he can just kind of be like, oh, hey, you know, we're brothers and, and there's none of that here. But you could tell Dick's mad. Like, why wh- Why did you pick John Paul and not me? Why, why was he the one to take over the mantle? This guy you knew for just a couple of months, you know, and I, I was raised as your son practically. Uh, and, and then – there's a lot of that anger that comes out, and then when he thinks Bruce is dead, that anger 
about Jean Paul is like vented towards Jean Paul, and and it really really plays good. And then, uh, like Tim said, that woman holding the uh, the slot machine, it reminds me. Um, I think it was back in the seventies, maybe maybe it was earlier. Uh, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas had a, had a really bad fire, mm. and people like refused to leave their slot machines and refused to leave the tables because they were winning. And it was like, <laughs> you have to evacuate or you're going to die. And, and, and it was hard to get people out of there. And, and so uh, that kind of reminds me of that. I, I think it's kind of funny. But overall, this is a this is a really great action sequence, a really great fight. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I just really like it a lot. Uh, Ryan, you're the last person I'm going to, I'm hoping it picks up something in here and see if I'm the only one, but go, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, so the it's a cool issue. It's a lot of great action, and there's a lot of what the cool thing is is about some of these fights is like it can take up the whole issue, the fight, but they're able like Chuck is able to you know Dixon is able to put a lot of like character moments and character beats while they're beating the crap out of each other, which is super cool because you can play off the because I didn't buy that that Bruce Wayne was dead yeah. either, but but the characters don't know that and they can play off that emotion. You know, just at the beginning to have, you know, Nightwing be so upset with, you know, with Azrael being like, kill her, you're nothing compared to him, and stuff like that. And he's calling him things like Hammerhead, and then, yeah. and then Azrael is calling, you know, um, Nightwing like the Slighted Prince and Fledgling and stuff like that. It's like, it's it's kind of hokey, but not really. I mean, it's just good comic book stuff, really, is the way I'm looking at it. And it's it's fun. Um like the slot machine stuff in the and the, the fight going into a casino is kind of hilarious and I I kind of think I maybe ha- am, did pick up on what you were what you might be thinking about Rob because page 15. I did on page yes yeah yes, okay, okay. <laughs> I did go through all the issues we've talked about today and I did pick out some select um, letters from the letters columns to read okay. you know because we enjoy doing that but I found out about this little Easter egg through that letter column because it. It uh, confirmed this Easter egg, and I so didn't read the letter column, hoping that my guess is right. And I think okay, so your guess is correct. <laughs> so on page on page fifteen, <laughs> there you know before um, before Azrael and Nightwing burst into the casino, there is a group of gentlemen playing uh, playing poker, and it's if they if the guys around the poker table look familiar, it's because they, they should look familiar. So if you go from left to right, they are Graham Nolan, Chuck Dixon, Denny O'Neill, Scott Hanna, and Archie Goodwin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> With, you know, having recently talked to Chuck on the podcast and, you know, you kind of yes. see what people look like. I was looking at this last night going, I think that's Chuck Dixon in the middle. And they start going, well, the guy to the right's got to be Denny O'Neill. And then I was try- I was having a hard time figuring out who the others were, but those were all of my guesses as, as the other people sitting around the table. And right. I, I think it's funny that uh, Denny writes, you know, no for uh, Denny O'Neill losing all of his money and hurriedly trying to pick it back up. I'm like, what are you saying there, Chuck? <laughs> yeah. And and um, and in I the think- last panel, you can find Waldo. Yeah, true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, the bat the Batman people playing poker is something that's mentioned too in the their ba- in the Batman Nightfall omnibus that just came out. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a passage in there from either Chuck or um or somebody else that talks about them playing poker at the uh, Nightfall you know Batman writers retreats and how Denny was a big card shark. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. Um, uh, we can move through the rest of this uh, issue pretty uh, quickly here. The issue ends where the issue where the whole series kind of started for uh, Batman with uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman now taking uh, the same position and stance that Bane did upon Bruce entering the Batcave. Oh, I, thought, he, I was wondering if you were going to point that out. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is really cool. Uh, and it's like shot for shot, the camera is tilted uh, just in the same way. Uh, Batman has his arm pointed out with finger exactly as Bane did. And Bruce uh, ends with the line, it's me. You've got a lot to answer for. So call and response, if you will, of uh, Batman and Bane. So what did you guys think of how it ended? And did you pick up on the uh, Bane and Batman um, posing to be the same? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I absolutely picked up on it. And if, as you'll see in the next issue, um, it's it's also got a similar shot from, from the Azrael Batman as well. And that's where I first picked up on it. And then you look back at the, at this issue with Batman, and then, of course, yeah, it's the exact same shot. And as we make our way into the uh, final issue of, of the main part of Night's End, you'll see a lot of similarities between the the fight there and the fight in, you know, the issue where Batman's bat gets broken. Terrence? Yeah, this makes me just want to just immediately read the next issue and – it was torture having to wait a week, uh, you know, yeah. back in 94. But, um, yeah, this is just a perfect cliffhanger. You know, th- th- these get me more than the, oh, no, he's dead. Tune in next week. You know, like right. this just just grabs me. And I just want to say the MGM fire was in uh, 1980 and actually 87 people were killed. I was surprised. Wow. I'm surprised it was that many. <laughs> but some of it was because they refused to leave. Their their slot machines and tables to wow. you know but but anyway uh, yeah that's all I gotta say <laughs> uh, Tim what's what's cool is to cut Tim off sorry Tim <laughs> what's, cool, what's cool is uh, to, uh, just to point this out is that if you compare the shots of Bane and Batman doing this just com- just even the background like uh, Wayne Manor like the books are all disheveled the gl- windows are broken and stuff like that you could, it's obviously that obviously that Wayne Manor has been been through some stuff since uh, since Azrael took over yeah uh, since Ryan rudely interrupted you Tim <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, yeah I love the callback to Nightfall and Bane when he confronted Batman and Wayne Manor and reading it rereading it again uh, just a few days ago I actually forgot about that and when I Turned the page and I first saw it. Like immediately, I recognized that. Oh, that's just a callback to when Bane was about to fight Batman. I thought that was so cool for them to do that. Just you know, switch it around a little bit. And yeah, just like you said, Terrence, these are the cliffhangers that you know really get you excited and you geek out as like the Batman fan or a comic book fan when you know it's not the obvious oh, are they dead type thing, but you know they're not. This really really gets you excited for what's to come next. And to have it be a callback to one of the biggest moments in the the history of Batman comics, I think. I thought it was even, made it even cooler. Uh, we have the writing credits for Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, number 63. Cover date is August 1994. The on-sale date is June 28th, 1994, which that has just passed. Now we're into the 1st of July, so there you go. Uh, the editor is Archie Goodwin. The title is called Climax. The writer is Dennis J. O'Neill. The penciler is Barry Kingston. Inker is Scott Hanna. Letter is Willie Scubert. I love saying all these names that I can't pronounce. And colorist, uh, here's another one, <laughs> Lovern Kenderinsky. I butchered that one. 
just open the book and take a look at it, see how bad I butchered it. Uh, this has been uh, reprinted in Batman Knight's End Trade Paperback. came out in 1995. Again, in Batman Nightfall Part 3, Knight's End Trade Paperback in 2000. They did another one in Batman Nightfall Volume 3 Trade Paperback. And again in 2012... And then, like I said, uh, coming in 2018, I believe, will be the third uh, omnibus for Batman Night's End. So without further ado, let's get into the BBC radio drama for the final installment of the BBC radio drama's Batman Night's End. Enjoy. Batcave access door open. The crusade is over. Bruce Wayne is a memory. The city is cloaked in the metal of the bat. Its citizens guarded by the blade of Azrael. For I have inherited not only Bruce Wayne's title, I now possess the medallion of St. Dumas that belonged to my father, the sigil that confirms my right to deal with wrongdoers as the angel of death. Warning. Intruder in Batcave. The final piece falls into place. Robin, come down into the lights. Not Robin, Jean-Paul. It's Batman. And you've got a lot to answer for. No. You rigged the Batmobile to explode, but you forgot to disable the ejector seat. Get out. I am the Batman. Get out. You are wrong. I own that house up there. I equipped this cave. Only because of your inheritance. And now you have passed it on to me. Just as this man passed it on to you. Put the picture down, Paul. It is important to me. Oh, yes, your parents' portrait. I saw the original upstairs in the hall. I bet your daddy gave you lots of things, didn't he? I created the Batman. I am the Batman. No, you are Bruce Wayne. Get out! Slink off to your cars and your women and your parties and take your precious mommy and daddy with you! Take off that costume. Yeah. Batman is not about technology and firepower balls. Batman is about restraint, control, strategy. Unbeliever, philanderer, come out and face me! Behind you! You don't understand, Paul. Being the Batman is not about gadgets. It is not about body armor. It is about three things. Speed, skill, and sense. I defeated Bane where you could not. Make yourself my enemy, and you share his fate. I've made mistakes, Paul, but you need help. I am on a holy crusade. Saint Dumas himself comes to me. He sets me the task of wreaking vengeance against the evildoers. All these are hallucinations implanted in you by the order of Saint Dumas. No. Their brainwashing has short-circuited your sense of right and wrong. He is here. He waits in the shadows. We are alone in here. Whoever, whatever Dumas was, he's centuries dead. No, the shadow crumbles. Is it just a rock? Where is your judgment? Your objectivity? How can you guard a city when your own sanity lies defenseless? I am Batman. I am Batman. Because if I am not, I am nothing! The flame cannon. Father exhausted his suit's fuel supply on Leah's roof. Burn! Burn! Out of gas? Wait, uh, let's talk a truce! We're not enemies, Jean-Paul. Think about what I'm saying. Thinking... But I prefer action! Caught by the oldest trick in the book. You're bleeding! You are mine! Bane defeated you here in the Batcave, Wayne. Now I stand over you in triumph! Not from where I'm lying, Paul. Come back! I am the true Batman! Admit defeat! Only the true Batman knows this cave like I do, Paul. Only the true Batman fell into it at the age of eight from the south pasture up overhead. Why don't you follow me? I'll show you the way up there. A trip up memory lane for the real Batman. A history lesson for the imposter. 
It's this tunnel. I can hear you breathing. You cannot escape. It grows narrower by the yard. He is right. He is right. It is so narrow that only an eight-year-old could have slipped down here. I can't get any further back up there. I can feel the wooden baffle my father fitted to fill the hole I fell through as a child. Maybe I could dislodge it, but I can't escape through it. Damn. Armor makes it impossible to move further up, but you won't escape. Perfect. The passage is so narrow, he's taking the suit off. And if I have guessed correctly, he'll be trying to spot me in the gloom at any moment. Just hope he keeps the helmet on long enough to try his... Night lenses. Bingo. Sun should be rising right about now. So, get a good grip on the wooden baffle and... Take off the helmet. I'm blind. Good grief. Forgotten. So long since I saw him without a mask. He is not much more than kids. Stringy hair. Little glasses. His whole life ahead of him. Oh, what was I thinking? You are the Batman. I... I am nothing. That is not true. You are a victim. You have been used and betrayed. The system possesses me. Let me tell you a few things about Gotham City, Paul. It has a population of 7.5 million. It has the largest percentage of sociopathic criminals in any metropolitan conurbation. But it also has businesses, schools, parks, a river, ordinary people. And it's got a future for you. If you are willing to go out there and find it. You're not going to take me to the police? I probably should. A long time ago, I fell through that hole. I haven't really ever stopped falling. Maybe you can go the other way. You, you forgive me? Go on. Get out there. Make a life for yourself. Oh. The sun feels good, Batman. It's a new day. I wish you well, Jean-Paul Valley. But for me, the darkness of the Batcave, the legacy of my parents' murder that makes me the only possible Batman, and perhaps a colder future than ever. Huh? Aren't we being a tad melodramatic, sir? Alfred. I've decided you are re-employing me from today. Not for your sake, you understand, but because that fine old house up there needs the full-time care and attention a Batman, any Batman, is too busy to provide. Absolutely. Now, by some miracle, I have conjured up a portion of Eggs Benedict for you in the scullery, if Master Dick and young Timothy haven't already polished it off. And if you leave that uniform out by the cave entrance, I'll try and have it dry for tonight's excursions. It's good to have you back, Alfred. No, sir. It's good to have you back. This is uh, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, like we had said earlier. Uh, this book didn't really play a big part into uh, the Nightfall Saga towards the very end, because like we've been saying, Zero Hour is rapidly approaching, and they were wanting to wrap the book up. So between Batman, Detective, Catwoman, Robin, and then uh, Legends here, they were able to kind of still do the same like issue count that they had been, but we were getting books a lot 
more frequent, and uh, I think it just kind of worked out to have so many titles. This issue is done by Denny O'Neill. We did get a chance to interview somebody, and I'm kind of kicking myself that we didn't ask Denny uh, about writing the conclusion of uh, Nightfall, because I think this... It's a good point. Yeah. This feels a little bit different. I you know we've had plenty of writers throughout the whole series, but this issue specifically, it's more like in that, that prestige format type of a book. We have uh, you know thicker pages. It's more glossier. Uh, we have Barry Kitston doing interior art, which I got to meet him a few years back, got him to sign this particular issue. Um, so it, it feels a little bit more special um, of an issue for the ending of the story, but at the same time, it feels a tad bit disconnected. And I don't know if that's just from Denny writing the book, because he also did the novel. Did that, that come across to anybody else that it, it felt a little disjointed at all, or is that just me, uh, Ryan? I, I kind of wondered that, too, and that's the first thing I picked up on is, oh, wow, Denny O'Neill gets to finish Nightfall. That's kind of interesting. And Kitson's art, of course, makes it feel like um, a precursor to the Azrael Solo series, because as we all know, um, Kitson draws a good chunk of the first uh, – part of the of the Azrael solo series. So I kind of wonder if it was one of those things where editorially they knew how they wanted to end it and it's one of those things where it's like, well, Danny's the best person to to tackle this because he needs to he's the he can wrap it up. Um so I, I kind of wonder if that factored into it at all. And you know, some of the letters that we can get to to kind of talk about it too, a lot of like exactly how to end the this story I wonder how how contentious it was or if this is what they wanted the whole time, but it but for it to come down to Azrael and Batman, it's all about them. Um and it's not just a fist fight. I kind of I kinda of wonder if that was something that was on Denny's mind for the whole, you know, the crux of the whole Nightfall saga in general, and I kinda of wonder if that's why it feels different. Because it's not it's not Everything stops, right? It's not like there's 50 more issues to go. Like it's it's more of a, you know, just a, it's more of a mental battle between Batman and Azrael than a, than a physical one. Yeah, uh, Terrence. Yeah, and I mean this with all due respect because I I love Danny O'Neill and I am so grateful that he he did the interview and for you guys for setting that up. But even if you had asked him about this issue, you may not have gotten an answer <laughs> about this issue. Yeah, he might not. yeah, he might not remember this detective. I mean, what is it? Legend of the Dark Knight right, sixty three, yeah. and he might have started talking about something that happened and you know with him and Chuck Dixon in nineteen ninety two or something. But uh, I, I, his answers kind of. Um, were were not always to our question, but they were entertaining and they were awesome. And You'll hear I, soon enough. <laughs> yes, and I I remember this issue so clearly reading it because not only did it feel disjointed per se from the night ends or the nightfall, but pretty much every other fight I've ever ever read in a comic like this was yeah. so different it was yeah. cerebral and yeah. I, I i started reading it and i'm like you know how can bruce wayne beat him he can't i'm bruce wayne couldn't beat bane this guy beat bane he's outmatched he's outgunned he's he's just he's, every every advantage is in john paul's favor physically and but not mentally not the intellect and Batman beats him in this issue with his brain. And by like almost having the maze for him to have to, to go through and strip him of his armor. And then I know I'm jumping way ahead, but 
but the final, you know, defeating him, not with fists, not by beating him down, not, you know, by physically, but with the, the mental trick of the light. I just thought this was so brilliant and so genius. And then the way it ends. And now that knowing Denny O'Neill more and having talked to him and having researched it and, and just seeing just the ending, it is it is so within the Denny O'Neill philosophy of yes. like life and how yes. you should treat people and forgiveness and I I, I love this is I this is awesome I, I love it so much I I can't even say mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. yes I do feel it's out of place a, a bit or disjointed or whatever term you want to use but but in a in a really good way like yeah. it just shines yeah. you know yeah, yeah I, w- I wanted to clarify that too I'm glad you said that I didn't mean it as a knock of like boy th- this really falls and it. it totally tears down everything that Nightfall has done. It's disjointed in a way, like it's, you said. It's disjointed in a positive way. It's and, elevated almost. Yeah, and I don't know how you could have done... I think in the hands of somebody else, and as much as I love Chuck Dixon, I think it would have turned into a slugfest. And I think Ryan was right that Denny would have been the one to, like, I need to... We need to wrap this up neatly and tightly, but wrap it up in a different way than how this whole entire series has done because that's how Batman had started all of this was not thinking running straight head into a fight and getting beaten. And he doesn't do that here. So uh, Tim, uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I definitely felt that it was different from the previous issues we've gotten in the story, but at the same time it works really, really well. And I just like the way that Daniel Neal kind of uses some callbacks to, to have Bruce beat Jean-Paul Valley, I just love it when, at the moment where he has the entrance to the Batcave booby-trapping, Batman probably realizes, you know, the stairs and everything's probably booby-trapped, but I can get in the way that Jean-Paul Valley doesn't even know is there. The hole he fell into as a little kid, his first time entering the cave and how he waited for his father to get him, and that's how he's going to enter into the Batcave to take down Jean-Paul Valley. I just love that callback. And even, too, where Jean-Paul Valley picks up that portrait of Thomas Wayne and just rips it too. My first read it, I was thinking, you know, that's that's gonna make, make Batman lose it. But you know, he kept his cool and just you know, still trying to talk his way through uh, Jean-Paul Valley, get him to remove the costume. So uh, that was great. But then too, um, I'm gonna say, like as I first read this way back, I actually was disappointed with how this whole battle wrapped up because back then I was expecting, you know, after all the training that Bruce had to redo again with Lady Shiva, that he has the skills he needs to take down Jean-Paul Valley actually in a fist fight. And when that didn't happen, I actually was disappointed because I thought Jean-Paul Valley had it coming, you know, that needs to take him down that way. But uh, later on, and then again, just reading it for this episode, it does make more sense for Bruce to beat him the way he does. He did here, you know, just you know, mentally showing that getting him to remove the costume and just that helmet to kind of take off that uh, Azrael or Azbat's persona once he does, and that light shan- shining on him. And then at the end too, where he lets Jean-Paul Valley go, there's part of me that still thinks he got off a little too easy here after everything that went down. But I just realized that. Bruce probably just thinks to himself, you know, he even says it here, maybe someday I'll forgive myself. So he probably is blaming himself more than he does Jean-Paul Valley here. Like, if it wasn't for me and my decision, uh, you wouldn't have done all this stuff. Almost kind of treating him as a victim for the mistake and the decision that he made, which is why he's going to let him go. So it 
you know, took a little bit for me to accept the ending the way it was. But uh, looking back on it now, I think it definitely was the right way to go about it. I agree. And I think I was kind of the same way uh, that you were, Tim. At first, I was like, oh, great. Batman just talked this guy into submission. But I think over the years, as I kept coming back to this story, I started aligning myself with, I think this this is a, a new look for Batman. He's seen the kind of like the sins of the past of how he operated before and even kind of you want to throw in stuff that he's dealt with Jason and then getting into uh, bringing on Tim. You know, what was he making the right choices of, you know, he made the right choice in Tim. So I think he may have jumped the gun with uh, Jean-Paul. Like you said, he's both of the characters are kind of having doubts at the end. You know, the Jean-Paul is kind of surprised that Bruce is letting him go. And seeing a Batman outside in the daylight, especially in the sunlight of Wayne Manor, uh, like Terrence said, is kind of in the beliefs that, you know, that Denny holds about being true and being right and being, uh, you know, uh, being a good person is all kind of wrapped up here. So if this is one of those, like, if this is the last Batman story ever told, it kind of works that way, too. We know in comics, every story is just connected one right after the other, but you could read this end of Nightfall as a whole, and it kind of puts a nice little button on it that Batman's back, and of course we've got uh, more issues to go through here. This book is really dense, and I don't want to you know, undermined uh, Denny's work through the series. But I just kind of want to throw it back out if you guys have any other thoughts before we move into our uh, final book because I don't want the podcast getting a little too long yeah. ahead of us. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, so this is just a very good example of, you know, subverting your expectations for how this kind of thing could end. And the more you look at it, the more I think it, it grows, it can grow on you the, the, with a lot of the choices that got made. And I do like a lot of the parallels between earlier parts of the Nightfall saga, like we've been talking about, like the opening with Azrael pointing at, you know, in, at, at Batman and stuff like that. And later on, even like, you know, Azrael defeats Bane by shining light in his face and all oh, the light. And that's mm. part of, and that gets tied into how, you know, Jean-Paul gets defeated here or, you know, he's, he sees the light literally, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of that's good. Plus, you know, there's a few things in here that kind of um, give you some hints toward 
the future of Jean-Paul Valley too. You know, there's a few places in this issue where Batman says things like, we've got a lot to, to do together, you and I. We begin here and now. You know, like, it makes you think that they're going to have some sort of a history together past this. And I'm, I personally, I'm excited to kind of get into that um, with the upcoming Azrael podcast. Yeah. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, a couple quick things. Number one, um, I always love Barry Kitson's art. I think I may have seen him. I think he had done a Catwoman or two before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like this issue. I, I liked how he drew Asriel or Asbats. Um, so when I saw that he was the, you know, going to be the penciler for Asriel number one, um, in I guess it came out maybe like maybe six months or a year after this, I, I was really excited for that series and started buying it. Um, you know, a lot of the the talk about this you, you hear from the creators was that this Asriel and and the Asbats character was a response to the ultraviolent image comics and the Marvel comics and and where comics were going and those fans who were saying yeah you should make Batman more violent you should make Batman kill you should make Batman carry a gun um, <laughs> and so I liked how this. If, if that's what as bats it was, I like how they ended it in a non-image way, a non-Marvel comics of the mid-90s way. Image and Marvel would have never ended a comic this way. It would no. have been an all-out slugfest with things exploding and Wayne Manor in a million pieces and <laughs> every character ever on a splash page. And, <laughs> and, and this was such a personal, like, heartfelt way to end it that even even when I read it, just being so different and being a breath of fresh air, I just loved it. I loved the ending, and I loved how it, it just leaves the door wide open for Jean-Paul Valley and, and what's going to happen. And like like I feel, too, and I know this has been said, but if Bruce had been too harsh, if Bruce had given him the beating of his life, you know, part of it is like, it's this is your fault, too, Bruce. Like, he wasn't ready to take on the mantle, and you gave it to him. And you ran off to find, you know, the, the quest and didn't check up on him. And so a lot of this is your fault. So you really can't, you know, be – the punishment can't be too harsh and too brutal on John Paul coming from you. And I think I, – I, I don't know. I just I – just, the more I look at it and the more I like it and the more I see it, the more I just love and that whole mesh – message of the light and forgiveness and i like to and i don't know if this was done on purpose or not but the idea of jean paul having to take the costume off to fit through that small tunnel that bruce knew that it's very symbolic taking off the costume it's not just the tactical advantage of he's not in the suit anymore it's the symbolic stripping away of the asriel suit stripping away of the Azrael persona and getting to the person Jean Paul who's actually a good decent human being underneath so I'm rambling so I'll shut up but that was very good <laughs> fantastic I, I I love the issue the only weird thing I don't know if you guys are reading it in the trade or not I always found it odd that on the the in the floppies in the the regular issue after the cover the very first our ad is for Night's End Part 8. eight I always found yeah. it weird that there was <laughs> like an, an ad for, you know, like, but anyway, like, but I guess because it was uh, um, Legends of the Dark Knight, I think there was a fear that maybe people weren't going to pick it up or get it because even at the end of um, 
Detective Comics 677, in the letter column, there's a huge banner. Like, you know, the text has got to be like 18 font, something like that. Continued in Legends of the Dark Knight 63. So maybe they were afraid people weren't, you know, going to find it or something. Yeah. Uh, Tim. Yeah, I guess the last thing I'll mention about it is that you guys already talked about how great the artwork is. But there's one panel that always stuck out to me in this issue, and it's the one where you know John Paul Valley is making his way through the cave and he's removing his armor, and mm-hmm. there's that one shot where he just you know in a t-shirt, but he still has the red Batman cowl and the mask over his face. There's something about that image and that look that always stood out to me that I think looks pretty cool. And looking at it now, it kind of reminds me of um, one of the Batman that. Grant Morrison did with the three ghosts of Batman. There's that oh, real yeah. big one. It kind of had that feel to it, but that panel and that image of Azrael looking like that with the Batman mask, but you know, just in plain clothes, always stood out to me. And I still think it's kind of a cool look. It's kind of hard to when you have the mask, the cowl of Batman, for it to not look cool in yeah. any type of way you're wearing it, whether it's in the full costume or just like with a T-shirt or something. But that image always stood out to me. And I still think it looks cool. And it's it's a really cool moment because Jean Paul thinks he's got Bruce Wayne. He says like you've got no more room to run. He's like, ha ha, I've got you. And then as you see, no, Bruce has got him. So yeah, it's awesome. Holy hole in a donut. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show. Um, at the time that we were re- recording all of this, I didn't realize that we were going to have as much content as we did. And with a couple uh, dropped uh, phone calls in there, um, we lost Terrence for a little bit. So you got to hear us kind of uh, do like, Terrence, where are you? So that was kind of a funny little thing. So I left that in there. Uh, but while putting this together, I realized we hadn't even gotten to the Robin section yet. And this episode was at just over an hour. So rather than make it go a little bit uh, longer yet, the uh, Robin portion and with the letters that we read uh, from the back of the Robin issues, um, there was another 35, almost 40 minutes of an episode. So the next episode is already in the can and it's going to be a little bit smaller of an episode unless there's some uh, Tim Drake happenings uh, that go on. Then the three of us might get together and record uh, something uh, really quick. If you read the newest issue of Detective Comics with Zatanna, uh, you can kind of see that there's some Tim Drake stuff brewing right there. But we'll kind of save that for when the three of us can get on the mic and record together. Um, so w- with there not being a proper ending of the show uh, the last couple i have been forgetting to say hey where can people get a hold of you so i will run down everyone's uh, twitter information if you want to get a hold of us outside of uh, robin everyone loves the drake you can get a hold of terrence at o'neill ties uh, ryan has a few you can get a hold of ryan at smb underscore ryan He's also a contributor over at the Batman on Film podcast, and his Azrael site uh, and podcast is not officially out yet, but his Twitter uh, is available if you kind of have some Azrael things you might kind of want to you know, poke at Ryan a little bit and get inside his head and think, hey, are you going to talk about this uh, part of Azrael? You can get a hold of him for your Azrael-related questions. Equestrians. Equestrians. He's a talk about horses. Um, at Azrael Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to get a hold of me, Rob, when I'm not talking about Tim Drake and you want to hear about my drumming and just different things going on, you can get a hold of me and Twitter at DrummerRob10. And also we had a special guest on the show, which now it's going to seem like Tim was on three shows. You can get a hold of Tim a few different ways. Uh, Also, uh, you can get a hold of him at 
Tim G311. You can also get a hold of him at his Star Wars podcast that he co-hosts at Star Wars TSC. And he's also the uh, co-host of a Batman podcast called Batfans, and that's at Batfans Podcast. And one thing that I continually keep forgetting to do is say, hey, uh, uh, help us out and go to iTunes and uh, go uh, give us a little review. Uh, a five-star would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, three or four. If it's one or zero, then just be kind. But that'll that'll help uh, get the uh, podcast uh, name out there for all the, those of you uh, that are listening. Even if you're just listening to uh, the TBU, just run over to iTunes and give us a, a little uh, five-star there and uh, write something a little nice and we'll uh, read it on the air. And like I said, that'll help... Uh, build momentum for the show. So uh, this is where we're going to end it. We will see you guys in a couple weeks and you won't have to wait that long because the aftermath of nightfall will be the next episode. And then we, I think we're going to get into some zero hour stuff and then the prodigal. So on the behalf of Terrence, Ryan, and our guest, Tim, this has been Rob. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net, And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Some silicone sister with the manager, mister. Told me I got what it takes. She said I'll turn you on son into something strong. Play the song with the foggy break. Engel caught Mozart was checking out the weather chart to see if it was safe outside. If I needed a ride Wrapped up like a douche Another runner in the night Blinded by the light Wrapped up like a douche Another runner